0: But our relationship with uh, Ken goes way back, and I believe it was 1980 or 81, I'm not sure. It was 1980. I was my son's age at camp, and uh, Ken was our um, camp speaker. And I believe he had an afro back then, if I'm not mistaken. It was a big curly thing going around up there in 1980. And I thought about that, and for years, um, uh, you know, the relationship has continued. And as many of you know, for the past several years, we've been praying for Ken um, and for strength in in his physical body and stuff like that. And so when I heard that Ken was going to be in Chicago this weekend, I'm like, you've got to preach. You've got to preach. Because I don't know if any of you remember, I mean, Ken just opens the Word and the Word just, bam, it's right there. And um, that happened in 1980 when I was in junior high. And then he ministered throughout my high school years at different camps along the way. And then when I was wrestling with the call of God after high school, I, I felt called to the ministry. And, and, and that has to do with Ken's preaching and his teaching and his, his calling other young men into ministry. And since then it's been a pleasure as as Ken has served on the board of the the Bible College and has preached in our church and serves on the board of Mission Possible. And so we've had the the not just the chance to share pulpits here in the United States, but literally around the world as we've traveled and and um and and just so you know he's the the headliner, I'm just like the opening act. But 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 we've been able to to travel together and do different things and um And I think that Ken has had a bigger influence on my life in this church than he even knows. And so when I heard he was going to be in Chicago this weekend for the college board meeting, I'm like, you have to share. Because Proverbs uh, 22 and 23 has an interesting phrase that opens, kind of goes over and over again. And it says, do not remove the ancient boundaries. And, and what we have to realize is that those boundaries, as it's talking about in the book of Proverbs, are the things that define us or define our land or define who we are. And a lot of Ken's ministry actually has defined who I am as a pastor and has defined a lot of things here in our church. And so you may have never met Ken before. This may be your first time, but there's a lot of Ken that's in the DNA of Christian Life Church. And so when I heard he was going to be here, I just, I don't know, I had to, I called him like in the middle of the night to ask him, because I heard he was coming, and so um, I'm thrilled that he's here, and that he's going to open the word for us tonight, and so would you welcome him, Christian Life Church, Ken Marcus.
1: Thank you, Christian. It's, um, it's a real pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I didn't know I was ancient boundaries, but <laughs> <laughs> what, what can I say? But it, it's a real pleasure to be here with you and to be here with my son Brian, who has been a real assistance to me this week down at convention and drove me up here from Kansas City today and taken me all the way back to Phoenix on starting Monday afternoon. I also want to say that your pastors did a tremendous job down in Kansas City this week. You'd be very, very proud of what they did. I understand it was the first time they ever teamed up, but you'd never know it. It was, it, was really, it was really a great thing. I have a couple books out in the foyer. One is called A Very Present Help. It's a meditation in select psalms. It's not about all the psalms, it's just in select psalms that uh, talk about the help of the Lord. And the other one is about Daniel, a man going God's way. And it has nothing to do with prophecy or anything like that. It's a very practical thing. And it just happens that your pastor has written a recommendation on the back of this book. So if you want to buy them, they're $10 a piece. Uh, two for $20. <laughs> Big deal, right? But uh, if you want them, fine. No problem. Anyway, they're out there. If you'd like to turn with Matthew chapter 14 tonight. I just want to share something with you that to reaffirm God's goodness to us and to reaffirm that we can put our faith and trust in the Lord and not be disappointed. I'm I'm sure that you've heard hundreds of sermons from this passage of Scripture, so you're going to hear hundred and one <laughs> tonight. But um this passage begins in verse thirteen with Jesus feeding the five thousand And then when we get down to verse 22, he's walking on water. Uh, Matthew covers this account. Uh, Mark covers this account. And John covers this account. Luke does not have much to say about this. Matthew has the additional material of Peter also walking on the water with Jesus. So if we put all three of these accounts together, we read all three of them, if we read Matthew... If we read Mark and we read John, we can kind of get a composite of what is transpiring and what is happening in this passage. John tells us, as a result of Jesus feeding the 5,000, that the crowd was so impressed with what they had just participated in that they wanted to seize him and make him king. But that was out of God's timing. It wasn't yet for him to be manifested that way. Matthew tells us that Jesus, to avoid this, ruckus was about to transpire, took the disciples and asked them to get in the boat and go across the Sea of Galilee and tells them specifically, go ahead of me to the other side. Mark tells us that they've been out on the Sea of Galilee, which is approximately six miles wide, till the fourth watch of the night. Now, the Romans divided the night into four watches. Six to nine was the first watch. Nine to midnight was the second. Midnight to three in the morning was the third. And three in the morning to six in the morning was the fourth. So, they've been out there from evening uh, sometime between three and six in the morning. They've been out there a long time. And he tells us, Mark does, that in all that time being out there, at least probably nine hours, They'd only been able to roll approximately halfway across the Sea of Galilee, which would be three to four miles. That's where they were. So let me put this story all together for us. Jesus has been out teaching, and there was no food or McDonald's available, anything like that. The people were hungry, and he says, what well, do we have to feed them? And he said, we just have a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish, and he says, that's plenty. Have the people sit down. And he has them sit down, and he breaks the bread, and you know the story, and he feeds the 5,000, and they are they are tremendously impressed with what they've just participated in, and so they're going to make him king, and he says, nope, I'm going to avoid this ruckus. He takes his disciples down to the Sea of Galilee, he sends them to the other side, he disperses the crowd, and he goes up on the mountain to pray and, and to seek God. Uh, now, let me ask you a couple questions, and, and I will give you the answer. You don't have to respond, but I'm going to ask you a couple questions about what we know about this story. The first question is, was the crowd that just had experienced the feeding of the 5,000 in the will of God, and here's the key, in the will of God by wanting to make Jesus king at that time? The answer would be what? No. No. The other question I've asked you, was the disciples functioning in the will of God when they got in the boat at Jesus' direction and begin to go to the other side? The answer would be yes. The third question I want to ask you is, is Jesus omniscient? In other words, does he know everything? And again, the answer would be what? Yes, he does know everything. He is omniscient. Therefore, I want to ask you this question. Did Jesus know, since he was omniscient, did Jesus know that a storm was going to come up on the lake? I think the answer to that question is yes. Now based on those questions and those answers, I can only come to one conclusion. And here it is, and this is the main point of the sermon. It is better to be in God's will and going through a trial and a tribulation and a problem than it is to be out of God's will and not going through a trial and a tribulation and a problem. Based on the questions, they're very simple questions about them being in God's will, about the disciples being in God's will, Jesus' omniscient, did he know a storm was going to come up? Did he know the disciples were going to be out there rowing for nine hours and getting basically nowhere? The answer is yes. So the only conclusion I can come to is it's better to be in God's will and go through a problem or a trial or a testing or a storm than it is to be out of God's will and not go through one of those situations. That's the only conclusion I can come to. I mean, we see this all through Scripture. We just have to take a look at a couple men in the Old Testament a couple men in the New Testament. Here is Joseph. He was doing the father's will his father jacob had sent him out to find his brothers i can guarantee you when his feet hit that pit he was not quoting some variation of all things work together for good of those who love the lord i can guarantee you that i'm going to be sold into slavery i'm going to be killed was he doing the father's will absolutely yes did he experience a real problem Absolutely, yes. And we continue to follow his life, Potiphar's situation, in prison, until he's finally used of God. And then we only have to make a quick reference to Job, and you'll understand this. I mean, here's a guy that was righteous. He was, he'd was offer sacrifices for his kids, just in case they did something wrong. And yet, he, if you read in the message, he says, why is God shooting arrows at me? He, he didn't understand anything. He said, I'm doing God's will, and all this bad stuff is happening to me. If we jump to the New Testament, look at Peter. Just preaching the word of God in in Acts chapter 12, he's thrown in jail. He's thrown in jail, doing the will of God. And Paul, we only got to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and see all the things he went through, beaten, shipwrecked, robbed, hungry, and in the care of all the churches, doing God's will. But I think today, because there's been such an emphasis on the teaching of health and wealth and prosperity and confess it and you'll have it, Christians have a tendency to believe that if they're going through a problem, there must be sin in their life. And there can't be anything from farther from the truth. Jesus himself said, in this world, what? In John chapter 16, the In this world, you're going to have tribulations, but have courage. I have overcome the world. That's what he says. And this is so evident from Scripture because of the questions we answered. The disciples got in the boat. They were in God's will. They were out there for nine hours rowing approximately. We don't know how long exactly, but at least nine hours. And, and they weren't getting anywhere. They weren't getting across the lake. Here they were doing God's will, doing what Jesus had asked them to do, and they were facing a problem. Mark tells us, and here's the thing I want you to really see. Mark tells us that Jesus is up on the mountain praying. And while he's up on the mountain praying, Mark tells us that he specifically saw them rowing. Think about this for a minute. Say they'd gone the minimum of three miles. He saw them three miles away, and he just didn't see a fuzzy image. He actually saw them rowing three miles away. But to complicate the situation, it says it's what? In the middle of the night. It was the darkest time of the night, and Jesus sees them rowing three miles away. You say, so what? Well, I think it's very important that we get a hold of this and just drill it into our lives. He saw them. In other words, they were never out of his sight. They were never out of his sight. He was aware of the situation at all times times. Now we've already learned that they were out there in a storm. Jesus appeared to them and I think they need to learn something. I think Jesus sent them out, out there in that storm to learn something. He had a purpose for them being out there in that storm. And I think here's what it is. Out of sight does not mean out of mind. Just because he was out of their sight, they were not out of his sight. And friends, I think that's something we need to learn. That no matter if we lost our job, no matter if our finances are about gone, irrespective of our health situations, whatever it happens to be, out of sight does not mean out of mind. Three miles away, in the middle of the night, he saw them rowing. He knew exactly. He saw the effort they were going through. They were out there, not just all lollygagging around having a party. They were out there working, growing. He saw that, and he says, I see it. I want them to learn something from this, that out of sight does not mean out of mind. And the scripture tells us very plainly, he will never leave us for what? Forsake us. He is always with us. Now, I know sometimes it may seem like, where are you, God? And we have to look around for him. But he's always there. He may be on a mountain three miles away, so to speak, but he sees you. He sees me. I mean, I'm the type of guy that when somebody said, let's go, I said I went. Now I have to depend on leaning on someone to get around. But Jesus sees me. He knows that. He sees that. And I believe he's going to do something about it. And I believe he'll do something about your situation, whatever it may be, because even though he may not be in our sight, He is in, we are in his sight. Now here's the other thing I think is so interesting about the story. Um, (laughs) The wind and the waves were in opposition to them. And they were out there rowing and struggling and probably calling each other names, you splash water on me and all kinds of stuff. I mean, they were really going through it. And And it was a problem to them. Now, I don't know if there's a way to say this or not, but what was a a problem to them was not a problem at all to Jesus. In essence, he walked on their problem. He walked on their problem. He just came walking out, right? The very thing that was causing them a problem, the wind and the waves, he came walking on it. He just came walking on their problem. And when he came walking on their problem and got in the boat, look what happened. They were immediately, immediately, they'd been out there nine hours struggling and rowing. Their backs were breaking. Immediately, they were on the other side. Peter walked on water. Jesus saved him when he began to sink. Jesus walked on I mean, who can even imagine such a thing? Can you imagine walking on water? Can you imagine just with a blink of an eye, you're in downtown Chicago? Can you imagine just being on the other Can you imagine struggling with something for nine months or nine years, and all of a sudden, bam, it's gone? And that's what Jesus did. He just came walking on the very thing that was causing them a problem and resolved it. And that's what the scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 3 that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly of everything that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Now, the third thing I want you to see from this is in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said to them very plainly, I want you to go ahead of me to the other side. I want you to go ahead of me to the other side. You know what? The disciples should have listened to the word of God. They were out there probably saying, I can't swim. I hope we don't sink. I hope this boat doesn't fill up with water. We're never going to make it. Man, we've been out here nine hours and we've only gone halfway across. We're never going to make it. And some water in the boat said he said, I'll meet you on the other side. I think we need to carefully, carefully listen to God's word. We need to carefully listen to God's word, what he has to say. Because scripture contains many promises that will keep us in our Listen to these words now. Scripture, and you know this, contains many promises that will keep us in our darkest hours on the journey as we're doing God's will. He'll keep us in the darkest hours of this journey called life and assure us that he has not lost sight of us and that we will only have to see him when we get to the other side. How many plan to get to the other side? Amen? And he says, I'm going to see to it. I'll see. If they were the first submarine in history, guess what? They were going to the other side. Because Jesus said, I'll see you on the other side. The scripture is full of promises, and we need to listen to them just like those guys listen to them. And some of us may have to row and row real hard. And we say, oh, but Ken, I've been rowing for 10, 12, 15, 20 years. And I'm only halfway there. But Jesus said, I'll see you on the other side. So what have we learned? We learned that out of sight does not mean out of mind. We've learned that sometimes what is our biggest opposition is no opposition to Christ at all. You just walk on it and resolve it. We have learned that we really need to pay attention to what he has said in God's word. Now let me ask you one more question. And you don't have to answer it. Just answer it to your If I were to say to you, that Jesus is over in this room right over here praying for you tonight, would that make any difference to you? If I said, honest to God, if you go look in that door over there, Jesus is in that room over there praying for you, would that make any difference to the situation you're facing tonight? Well, guess what? He's not. But he's at the right hand of the Father, praying that you will get to the other. Amen. So I'd just like to pray with you this evening if you're going through something, a health situation, a job situation, and you say, well, Pastor, we already prayed for that. So what? Who wants... You know, like this guy told me that I wasn't going to come to convention. And the guy said, it would be a real shame for you to come to church and get healed. I thought, what? what Well, I won't tell you what I thought. But anyway, uh, so so we've already prayed for it. Maybe more prayers needed. I don't know. It never hurts to offer prayer, I don't think. And so if you're going through something tonight, if you've been out there rowing, it seems like from sunset to the middle of the night, I want you to know that Jesus Sees exactly where you are. All right. Would you just stand in your pew if you want prayer? Let's just have a word of prayer. This evening. anyone? Just stand. Just stand up right where you are, if it's possible. Father, you see these saints tonight. These are. People that love you, they've tied their time, so to speak, to be here in your presence tonight, but their backs are getting sore, Lord, their arms are getting sore, it's like they've been rowing and rowing and rowing, in there, and they're not getting to their final destination. And I just ask tonight if it's a health problem, if it's a financial problem, if it's a Physical problem, if it's a job problem, I, I don't know the list, Lord. Whatever, whatever they represent, marriage, whatever it is, Lord. Would you come walking on the water to us, so to speak? Would you just come walking on the water? Walk, come walking on our problem and resolve it, and give us the faith that Peter had to believe that. Things are going to be all right, and that we're going to show up on the other side, and you're going to resolve these issues. And let us have, let us know in our heart that even though we can't see you, you can see us. And we'll just give you the praise and thanks, Lord, in your precious holy name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. You may be seated. What a what a good word tonight, and, and um, we just want to receive a um, a quick offering for Brother Ken. and we want to pray for him too. So I'm glad he's up here, so we can pray for him that God continues to give him strength and, and healing in his physical body, and um, and uh, so uh, we just want to sow seed into his life and ministry tonight, and um, and again, um, his books are available in the lobby. And I know God's been using him to um, to uh, to write, and and um, if if you enjoyed the word tonight and spoke to you in a in kind of a devotional way, I want you to pick up his books after church, and and just again use that as part of your quiet time, your Bible study, and allow God to speak to you and encourage you, uh, not only through Ken's ministry tonight, but through his writing as well. But um, we just want to sow a seed into to his life and ministry. But let's just pray for strength and healing for Ken. And um, go ahead, man, come forward and just stretch forth your hand, would you? um toward ken tonight and and uh, god we've just lift our, our brother up to you and god we've been praying for ken we just believe god for your goodness to be in his life lord we know that uh, this message tonight wasn't just birthed in a study somewhere but lord it's been birthed in his life and god you are faithful and you are good and uh, god so we just agree with the uh, the thousands of other prayers that have been lifted up, and we just believe for strength and healing in the name of Jesus. God, we just pray for Ken, his ministry, his books, his preaching, his teaching, God. uh, Lord, use him mightily in these days of his life, God. And again, thank you for the word tonight. We just pray a blessing upon him tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.